So I think everybody has um, heard me teach here before. So Venable Bodhi or Venable Bodhi Dajja. Uh, I've been coming to Kusala now, uh, to the Hermitage down the road for about two years, I think it is, roughly. And now I'm actually even here on a little bit more permanent basis. <laughs> so, um, what is a bit special this time is that I asked if I could have four consecutive sessions so that we can kind of look at a topic together in a bit more depth. And um, I'm hoping that is something useful for you as an audience, but it's actually something useful for me as well. Because when I kind of have a topic to focus my mind on, it helps me to kind of have that in the back of my mind. When I'm practicing, when I'm working, uh, when I'm thinking about it. But one of the problems is when you think about things too much, very often you can't actually penetrate what you're thinking about very deeply. The deep penetration of these kind of and understandings that arise very, very often come when it is, as I said, in the back of your mind, and you don't really think about it, but you have that kind of theme that runs with you for a whole week or even for a whole month, and then something happens, and you go like, oh, wow, that's actually something we talked about. Or you realize, oh, that's actually something I haven't thought of that I could kind of add of my list. So what I do, I have um, like a little document where I just keep like writing my notes down um, for those topics that I usually speak about. Because you happen to speak about kind of the same stuff again in the game. But what you want to do is to have new approaches to it. And hopefully not just to, you know, talk about the same things again and again in the same old way. So um, that way I'm hoping that it also keeps it a little bit fresh. And one of the ways is also to find different words. So um, for the people in the room that are Buddhist, what we are talking about uh, are the Brahma-viharas, they're called, in, uh, in uh, Pali, which is the ancient Indian language. And it basically means the highest emotions. And last time I translated it, and last time I um, taught it, I said it's the highest hangout places for the mind. And there is four of them. So that's why I also felt, oh, that's nice. We have four sessions, so we can actually focus on one of those uh, things uh, in every session. But one of the important things is that they are actually related to each other. So they are not so much separate from each other. Um, one way of looking at them is when the mind is pure, when the mind is calm, when the mind is clear. These are actually the things that manifest out of a clear, calm and peaceful mind. So in that sense, it's kind of like one thing, but it has four different aspects. And one translation that I found recently um, to describe um, the Brahma-viharas is um, the four ideal attitudes. And I really liked the word attitude. Because when you think about what attitude means, 
at least to me. I don't know, I'll give you a bit of time to reflect and to see what comes up for you. Does anyone want to share what comes up in their mind when you think of the word attitude? What does it mean? How you choose to express yourself, how you choose to sort of project. Yep. So there's a choice and there is a kind of an action, a projection. Yep. Anyone else? What came up for me is attitude is a feeling, but it's like a deeper kind of feeling. When we talk about feelings, very often we think about something which is very, very temporary, something which comes like as a reaction. Something happens and you feel about it um, in a certain way. But it's, it's like this quick reaction. But an attitude is different to that, isn't it? An attitude is like a general feeling you have about something. A more deep-rooted feeling you have about something. It's more like a world view, as you were saying. You know, it's something which is in the background and it informs how you actually act. But after a bit more reflection. But an attitude is also something which isn't just there. A reaction would be something which happens like kind of instantaneously. There's something you like and there arises this feeling of, oh, I like this, I want this. But when you have an attitude, you kind of take a step back and you reflect about that thing. You put it into perspective and then you kind of might actually shift your, shift your perspective a little bit. Okay, so as I was saying before, one way of looking at it is that someone has a pure mind, has a clear mind, and because of that these things manifest. But we can also look at it in another way when we use it as a tool. So when we use um, love, when we use care, when we use joy, and we use peace as a tool to purify the mind. And that's um, what we will be doing together in meditation. And that's something which also actually can be done in day-to-day -day life. So it is using those tools to purify the mind. Ah, we have one more. Yes, please. Hi there. <laughs> Good evening. And the last way, maybe how you can also look at it, and which I like the most, is maybe the measuring stick is the wrong word, but um, it is like a gauge. It is like, um, uh, what was the word? Uh, what, 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 what do you have? Which tells you where north is again. Uh, compass. Compass, exactly. So if those four qualities are present, if we are kind of orienting ourselves towards those four qualities, then we know that we are walking in the right direction.
So if we orient, if they become stronger, if they are there, that's actually for us to know, right, we must be going in the right direction. In life, day-to-day -day life, day-to-day -day activities, day-to-day -day interactions, but also in meditation. All right, so that's kind of a little bit of an overview of all four of those. Now, I will try to separate it and take it apart a little bit and just focus on the first one. And the first one is actually one that probably a lot of people have heard about, even the Pali term. Very often the Pali word is kind of like just for the scholars and Brahma Viharas, maybe a lot of uh, the people in here haven't heard before. But the word metta, M-E-T-T-A, is maybe a word you have come across because it's actually quite popular out there. And it's like metta meditation is like a type of meditation where you focus on this one specific quality. Metta could also be translated as kindness. That's one nice way. Of thinking about it. It could also be translated, there we go, there my notes come in, <laughs> um, as friendliness, that's right. And it could also be translated as warmth. So it's a way of relating to someone or something in that way. So you can ask yourself, how would I view, how would I think, how would I speak? How would I act towards a friend? And then you will get a bit of an understanding what that feeling might be like. Now, very often we can kind of imagine that towards someone else, but we tend to forget when um, we are meditating or when we are thinking about ourselves <laughs> that that is actually very important as well. So can we relate to ourselves with kindness, with friendliness, with warmth? Seeing ourselves like we would see a friend, someone we deeply care about, someone we are actually very intimate with, we are very connected to. This is actually the closest person that we will be connected to in our lives, ourselves. 24 hours, basically. <laughs> I mean, when we're asleep, we kind of get a little break there. But um, it is a lot of time. So it is one of those relationships which is actually very, very important. The other word I really like is goodwill. So having, instead of having ill will, we have goodwill towards whatever the object is or whatever that other person might be. So we, we wish well. We want the person to be happy. We want them to flourish. We want them to grow. And then the last one is unconditional love. Now, love is one of those words which is very kind of loaded in our, um, um, our usage. So maybe we have to spend a little bit of time on that one. And also... The word unconditional is actually very, very important. But I think it's the easiest if we think of some examples to get a feeling rather than trying to grasp it um, intellectually. So, love, 
again, in that sense, is an attitude. Love is not just a temporary feeling. So there is a difference between liking something and loving something. Liking means, you know, it's pleasurable, it's nice, it's giving me a good feeling, and that's why I kind of welcome it, I might even want it. Now, that is part of love as well, but not uh, the part of the attitude of love. So what happens if that object, which usually is another person, say, um, misbehaves? If that person is not perfect, if that person doesn't look the way we think they should, and always think of thinking of yourself in that way as well, because we relate to ourselves in the same way. So what happens then? Then there might be dislike which arises, and kind of like a pushing away. But as I said before, if we take a step back, and if we can connect to what unconditional love really is, what friendship really is, what warmth really is, then we stay connected to that person. Then we still are able to wish them well. Then we are still really wanting them to grow and flourish, even though the situation is difficult. And one of the probably easiest examples, I mean, I'm not a father, but I was a primary school teacher myself, and I had um, six, uh, no, 17 kids in my class, and they did misbehave at times, <laughs> and you really felt like, oh, why are they doing this, or why are they saying this, and it's kind of irritating, or I don't like it. But you can still stay connected to that being. You can still see the beautiful part of that being, and kind of put whatever irritates you to one side. So even though your child misbehaves, you still love it, hopefully. And you find it within yourself, and you find that unconditionality there, which says, even if you misbehave at times, even if you are imperfect, which is actually how the world is, by the way, <laughs> if we haven't found out yet, I accept that, I embrace that, I still love you. And with that love, we can actually improve that relationship. We can see the beautiful parts of that being and we can um, let that develop and let that grow. So that was um, the child example that I thought of. I had a few more because they're usually um, re really nice. Oh yeah, I mean one of those ones, <laughs> when, when you go online, sometimes they have quotes and they say, oh, the Buddha said this. The Buddha said, if you like a flower and you pick it, it's not the right way. But if you, oh no, if you like a flower, you might want to pick it and uh, possess it and have it. If you love a flower, you actually um, nourish it, you protect it, you um, make it grow. So I don't think the Buddha said this. <laughs> there is another page online, online which is called fake Buddha quotes, which I really like. So I often actually go there and have a look. And I mean, one of my first reactions is actually trying to go to the teachings and say, say like, ha, mm, did the Buddha say that anywhere? I mean, it, it's not wrong, <laughs> but it's definitely not uh, what the Buddha said. There is a few examples that the Buddha said, 
and that uh, are also very, very nice that I wanted to share with you. They might not be as kind of clear and as vivid as the one with the flower, but um, um, when you think about it and feel about it, you will understand it. So, of course, he often talked to monks, and we are wearing these robes here. And these robes are often made out of rags. So you walk around, and you find discarded cloth, and you take that discarded cloth, and you use whatever you can use from that dis discarded cloth. So the Buddha says, it's like when one of those monks is walking along the, the road, and they see a rag. But they don't just see the negative quality of like, wow, this is just a dirty rag. They actually pick up that rag. He says they spread it out with their feet, they have a look, and they find the intact part of that um, piece of cloth. They rip off the part which they can't use, which is not useful, and they take the part which is useful and helps them, and sew their robes with it, which they are dependent on, otherwise they would be cold. And that's what he encourages us to do. So if we have a fault-finding mind, if we focus on the negative, if we over-exaggerate that negative part, then we're getting caught up with the unuseful part of that cloth, aren't we? But if we shift our perspective, we look to the beautiful part, we discard the part which is not so useful, pick it up and take it, then we can actually make something out of this. He has another simile where he says, it's like when you have... You're walking, and in India it's often very hot, so you're parched, you're thirsty, you are really looking for some water, you're looking for something beautiful, for something inspiring, for something which gives you some energy, cools you down. So you come to a pond, and it's a lotus pond, but that pond is overgrown with vegetation, is overgrown with algae. But again, you hop into that pond, you sweep away the layer which is on top and then once the clear water appears you put your hands in and you take the clear water and you drink it. So the same simile there but maybe something which is a bit closer to your heart. The, the last one, <laughs> it, it kind of comes in, in, in grad, gradual ways because some people then say yeah okay with people I like with people I love, with people which are close to me, I can kind of relate to this. But now, at work, these are maybe not the people I choose to love, really, say, unconditionally. <laughs> and I can see so many bad parts. I can see so many problems. And that's when the Buddha says, it's like a person who comes, who's still looking for water, and there is no big, clear pond, there is no pond which is overgrown, all they can find is a hoof print, <laughs> which has a bit of water in it. <laughs> and they want to get that water. But now with that one, you have to be really, really careful. Because if you go and you try to, you know, take it with your hands, what happens? You stir up the dirt. And the water will actually become uh, not usable. So what do, you, what do you have to do? I love that one. <laughs> It says in the scriptures, you have to go on your knees like a cow, <laughs> gently go down and suck up the part on top which is clear, 
without disturbing the water underneath. <laughs> so that is really a challenge. But even in those situations, it can be done. So one example from my life, and also so we don't just have you know similes from the scriptures. I was recently looking after my mom in the beginning of this year uh, in Switzerland for about two and a half months. Uh, she was dying uh, at that time. And obviously, when a person is dying, um, there is, you know, difficulties that arise. And they don't kind of look splendid and beautiful and they're not bubbly and kind of like... It's, it's a very different kind of relationship that you have with a person who is at the end of their life. And then again, that could put you off. That could trigger some fear in you, for example. But then again, it's so important to be able to step back, to realize what kind of attitude do I actually have to this person? What can help me to arouse this feeling of kindness, of caring, of warmth? And one thing that really helped me is I was going through the old photos of my mom's uh, whole life. And I especially focused on some of the photos, or it just kind of happened naturally, when she was a child, when she was growing up, when she was an adolescent, when she came from Czech Republic to Switzerland. And I kind of really enjoyed doing that work, even though sometimes it was a lot of work going through everything and scanning it and, and, and preparing it. But I didn't quite realize what was happening during that process of exposing myself to it and arousing those feelings until I was with her in a situation which maybe wasn't so easy, which wasn't so so uh, nice, which was difficult. But I was able to see that person, see the child, see the person growing up, see the person who is youthful and full of energy and and wants to do things, and, and remember all those beautiful things that she has done in her life, kind of radiating out of this person who is old, who is sick, who is at the end of their life. And uh, that was actually kind of a beautiful way of um, connecting to this quality of beauty, of um, kindness within myself, and then also within another person. Okay, that's a few words to explain this. I think a bit more than we usually have. <laughs> but I hope um, that is useful. Now let's try to use this for meditation. So what I often like to do with meditation is spend quite a bit of time doing a body scan. And now this time with the body scan, I wish that you try and to bring this quality of not focusing and over-focusing and kind of fault-finding the things that might be there which are not so pleasant, which are not so helpful, which are not so nice, but rather somehow find a way to shift to this other uh, way of looking at it. Try to find the useful part. Try to find the way of relating with kindness, with warmth, with friendliness to that part. And that will actually allow that part to come into the forefront, allow you to focus in on it, and it will kind of fill your whole body and fill your own mind. And you will grow it um, when you do that. 
and some people who've been here before might know that I sometimes like to do this thing I coined slow motion shower. So you can imagine that you are having a shower and I actually quite liked to have a shower or a bath in the past after work. So I came back from work and I washed, you know, the dirt and the dust and 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 uh, all the sweat maybe, all these kind of things. But it was also a ritual for me because I was also washing away the tension. I was washing away the kind of problems that I might have picked up during the day. I was washing and purifying the negativity that has built up throughout the day. And let's see if we can also do that in the meditation together. Okay, that's a few words, but now let's do it and meditate together. So please feel free to get yourself in a comfortable position. That is actually very important. So we don't create unnecessary um, obstructions on the path. So relaxation and ease are very important. And then the other aspect, which is also important, is wakefulness, is interest, is presence. And one of the way I have noticed for myself, you might want to try it as well, is when you have something which is moving and you try to stay with the movement, it's easier for the mind to stay with it. It's easier for the mind to be with it, to engage with it. And so when we will be doing this body scan, this slow motion shower, I encourage you to Feel the movement of this warm, caring, friendly water which is flowing down your body. And really try to stay with it. Okay, so hopefully you have closed your eyes by now. Maybe also had a bit of time to Deepen your breath a little bit. Slow everything down. And once you've taken a few breaths, you can just allow your breathing to be natural to be at ease. And then you can gently direct your awareness, direct your presence to the top of your head. 
and you can imagine that you're having a slow motion shower. And the water which is touching your body, which is being felt on your body, is the kindness and the warmth. The acceptance that is flowing over your body. And from the top of your head, as I was saying, it's slow motion, so it's very gently and slowing, flowing over the back of your head. Maybe you can kind of feel it as a line moving down your head. Flowing over the sides of your head, on the right side and the left side. Reaching the ears. And then flowing downwards. And then also flowing over your face on the front. So you can slowly feel how this water is flowing over your forehead, warming it, relaxing it, soothing it, cleansing it. Same with your eyes. And with your nose, gently flowing over your cheeks, down towards the mouth, into your chin. over the chin towards your neck and then maybe pausing for a little while and feeling all the parts that it has already touched the whole of your head the top, the sides, the back, the front bottom towards your neck And feel the warmth radiating inwards so you can feel it in your eye sockets and feel it under your cheeks in your mouth even on your tongue in your jaw And 
and also in the bone on the left and the right and the back. But actually feeling the whole skull being touched by this friendliness, by this care. And soaking it up even into your brain. Might be a bit difficult to feel your brain, we can't feel our brains, but just imagine that the brain is touched as well, that the brain feels warmed and softens and relaxes. And then we can make sure that our whole head is placed in a nice way, balanced way on our neck. Maybe we want to stretch the neck a little bit and then let go. And then we can carry on with the slow motion shower. Let the warm, friendly, kind water wash away all the tension. Wash away all the dust which is accumulated. Soften and ease any tension which might be present. See if you can feel the water flowing down your neck all around, the front, the back, the sides. Moving, moving, moving. And as it moves, drenching those areas with kindness. With love. And letting the warmth soak into your skin. Soak into the muscles, into the tendons, right down to your bones and the nerves. Washing it, purifying it, beautifying it, relaxing it. Maybe again feeling the whole neck. Feeling what has changed. Rejoicing in that feeling. And then allowing the water to move on and flow into your shoulders. Make sure they're nice and relaxed, just kind of hanging there, not tense, not crunched up. You might want to move them a bit, 
find the perfect position. And then allow the warm water, the kind water to flow over them. Over the top. To the sides. To the front. To the back. into the socket, into the shoulder blades. Soaking up the kindness, soaking up the warmth. Hopefully you're getting the hang of it now. So you can allow the water to flow on the right side and the left side, down your arms. See if you can feel it move. All around on the skin. Moving downwards towards the elbows. Allowing it to touch the flesh, the bones, the muscles. All the way in. And then moving into your elbows. Inside and outside. over the elbows and into the lower part of your arms back front sides all at once flowing down washing away any tension Warming and soothing. On the outside, but also on the inside. And then checking in with your wrists and your hands, seeing if they are in a comfortable position, if not, please feel free to move them, put them in another way, 
And then once they are just right, allow the warm water of awareness and kindness to flow over them, to flow into them. To the wrists, into the palms, to the back the head, and also into your fingers, from the base all the way into the fingertips. From the outside in, and from the inside out. Can you feel the warmth, the relaxation, the ease in the whole of your hands and your shoulders now? If you can, then you know you're moving in the right direction. If you can't, no worries. It also takes a bit of practice. But you will become more sensitive over time. Most important thing is to have the right attitude. That is our North Star. If we keep walking in that direction, then we can also feel, we can experience it happening in our bodies and in our minds. Then move to our chest. From the shoulders down, flowing over the front, over our breasts, from the back, from under our armpits, from the sides. All around. Sometimes this area is kind of closed, feels blocked up, maybe also tense. See if you can allow the warm water and the kindness to unlock it, to open it, to free it. So you can breathe freely and deeply with no obstruction.
So allowing the water to flow down, around. Probably by now you are reaching your belly. Middle part of your back. Allow it to keep moving. Watch the lower part of your belly. Watch the lower part of your back. Not forgetting the sides. Until you reach your hips. All the way down to your bottom. We've actually covered quite a big area here, so let's see if we can just feel this whole area of our torso that has been touched by the warmth by the care, by the kindness, by the love of this water. And allow it to seep through to the inside as well, to the rib cage. to the spine. to the pelvis, relaxing, easing and soothing. And then even deeper, let it be soaked up by all your internal organs, the lungs, the heart, stomach and your whole digestive tract. Liver, the kidneys. Whatever else is in there. Let it reach all the way in. The outside in. And from the inside out.
and then let the water, the kindness and warmth flow into your legs, starting from the hip joints. over the thighs, on the top, on the bottom, on the sides, all around. Slowly flowing towards the knees. Touching the skin, soaking into the muscles, and even into the bones. into the hip joints, and also into the knee joints. And allow the water to flow over your knees on the outside, on the sides, and on the sensitive part, on the inside. And into the lower part of your legs. Into your shins. into your calves, and again all around, not missing any part of your body. Slowly flowing downwards. towards your ankles, feeling it on the outside, radiating in, feeling it on the inside, radiating out. And then into your ankles, all around, and also inside. 
and allowing it to flow into the soles of your feet. Starting from the heels. Also on the sides. And on the top. All around. Touching every part. And then flowing towards your toes. Into your toes, over your toes. From the base to the tips. And see if you can feel your whole legs. From the hips all the way down to your feet. Into your toes. Feeling the warmth, feeling the relaxation, feeling the ease. On the outside, but also on the inside. And see if you can drop your body. Just allow it to fade into the background and disappear. Now just imagine for a minute or so that we have created this beautiful pool of water, of kindness, of warmth, of acceptance, of love. And allow your mind to step into that bath. Not just dipping in the toe, but really getting into it. 
and soaking in it as you would soak in a beautiful warm bubble bath. When you're in a bath, you don't have to do anything. You just relax. Just soak up the kindness, the warmth and the love and allow it to fill your whole mind. See if you can just drop everything. Just be receptive and soak up the warmth and the kindness for a couple, maybe for a minute of silence. I hope your mind and also your body is now infused with metta, infused with kindness, infused with care, relaxation and ease. But unfortunately it's time to get out of the warm, cozy bath now. But take your time. To connect with your bodily feelings. To connect with the sounds in this room with the feeling of the temperature, the feeling of your clothes. And allow the bell to gently and slowly guide you out of meditation.
kind of lost lost touch with time here. I think we've gone two minutes over already. <laughs> but I hope you forgive me for going over time. <laughs> I wouldn't have minded staying there a bit longer. <laughs> um, but I thought it would be nice to give some instructions, some food for for the mind, for the intellectual part of us, but then also food for the heart, which is the most important one. And usually around this time we open up for comments or questions, or if someone wants to share an experience they had, like good experience, or even some trouble they might have faced, it's often very good to um, voice that and to realize that it happens to everybody at times and how we can actually learn to be with it. Like we can be with that child that I was talking about that doesn't always behave the way we think it should, <laughs> but we still love it. We still care for it. We still respect it. And we stay in relationship. We stay connected and we grow together. Yes? No? No? Nothing? It just feels very, very effective to just, um, with your sweeping through the body and very slowly and talking through it, yeah, okay. made it very easy to still the mind. Right. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good yeah. But why do you think the mind becomes still? What What helps it? Yes. 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 So stillness is created by the interest and by the settling. So in order to become still, you have to settle. In order to settle, you have to stay. <laughs> in order to stay, you have to like, you have to love what is there. And it's like with a person. If you see the not-so-beautiful side, if you have fault-finding, you want to turn away, you want to run away, you want to not engage with them. If you see the beautiful part, it draws you in. It allows you to settle. It allows you to stay. And that's how stillness and peace manifests, how it's, how it's made. <laughs> yeah, that's the causes for it. You can't make it happen. <laughs> But it does happen if we put in the right causes. Great, yeah. Anyone else? Well, all good for tonight? Right, thanks for coming along. Um, if you do have any personal questions, I usually stick around. If you wish to um, help putting things away, that would be great. And maybe see you next week. If you have time, it's Christmas period, I know, it's a lot of stuff happening, but that's when you need it the most. <laughs>